today we're going to look at um, um, the principle that is called the principle of humility. The principle of humility. It comes from the third commandment, which says you shall not use or misuse the name of the Lord your God in vain. So coming from that principle, let us turn to the scriptures, to the word of God and read from Exodus chapter 20 verse 7. Exodus 20 verse 7. Here is what the Bible says. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. For the Lord will not hold, will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. So it says you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. For the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. So it's from that principle that we are going to, from that commandment, we are going to draw our principle for today, the third, uh, it's the third in the series, and which says the principle of humility. Now, if we can remember all the ten commandments together, we have the first commandment. What does it say? Put God first, all right? Like, I am the Lord your God and there is no any other. And then we're talking about worshiping the Lord only. And today we are on the third commandment, which says, do not misuse the name of the Lord your God. That's, do not misuse his name. And we are drawing a principle from that uh, commandment, which says the principle of humility. Now, before we look at how this, how not misusing the name of God in vain is giving us this principle, the principle of humility. I want us to understand, first of all, about the scripture. If we can go back to the scripture. And the scripture says, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. For the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. So, and that draws my attention to thinking, um, why the name of God? Of all things, not the word of God. Not um, what God has done and so many other things that are so very important to God. The scripture just highlights and say, God says, you shall not misuse the name of God, your Lord, in vain. For God will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. So what's so special? You may say, hey, what's so special about this name? That we may not misuse it. And maybe in your mind you might also be thinking about how can one misuse the name of God in vain. So these are some of the things I want us to look at. I want us to go through and look at how they misused the name of God. And how today we misuse the name of God. And what does that? how does that make God feel? So the reason why God brought out, let's look at a little bit of background to the Jewish culture concerning the name of God. Of course, we know that the name the Bible is talking about, the name of God, which God communicated to uh, Moses in Exodus, and he said, I am who I am. And it's coming from Yahweh. You know, it just had uh, some few letters in there. Yahweh, it means the self-existent one. The self-existing one. The God that created everything and that created himself with him. Nothing, there's nothing that, that, that limits him. He's over all things and above everything. He's the most powerful and self-sufficient God. 
He says, I am holy, like the worshipers were singing this morning, that holy is the Lord and his name is holy. So he says that my name shall not be misused. My name shall not be enchanted into anything. So God was speaking to the people who were just coming from the place. Like last time this preacher spoke, Alina mentioned about the background of the people that Moses was speaking to. They were in slavery for so many years. And then the place where they were, there were so many gods. And each god had a name. Okay? Each god had a name. And people were enchanting on the name. They had, god, they had Ra. They had um, so many other gods. The gods, God the sun, God of the seas, God the frog, and so many gods, and God of fertility. And there are different names. So if you wanted something, the Egyptians would go to a specific god and begin to pray to that god so that that god would bring either rain or food, or maybe fertility, or whatever they wanted. And those gods are their names. So they would usually, they would enchant the name of those gods into action. And then these people were coming from that uh, background. And look at where they were going. They were going where? In Canaan. All right? Now, the inhabitants of Canaan, they also had so many gods. Actually, if we go further on, we see how these guys are different gods like Molech and Asherapos. They are different kind of, god, kind of gods. And some of these gods, they needed to, they were sacrificing kids like God Molech. You know, you needed to get your son. You go and you throw it into something like a hand with fire burning. You throw your son into that hand. And the sun burns, your child burns out, like bent to ashes, and the fire comes out through the mouth of that created uh, statue. And, and, and there are those evil practices going around in the land where they were going, in the land of Canaan. And God knew where they were going and he knew what was going to happen. And so there was a lot of misuse because they had different kind of gods. They had all these idols they were worshipping. And they would enchant the names of the idols they were worshipping. Then the Lord God started telling them that my name is holy. I am above all these created image and idols. I am the one that existed as existed before time. Okay, I am holy and I'm above every other thing. Do not misuse my name in enchanting it. Do not misuse my name in comparing it to other idols and gods. So that's the commandment. Now, the Jewish people, according to the Jewish culture, the name Yahweh, the name of God, was so holy to the point that they could not even mention it in their mouth. They could not even say Yahweh. Actually, in, in about uh, three centuries BC, three BC or to five, before Christ was born, like three centuries, they, they even stopped even writing, putting it in writing, the name of God. That's how holy it was. If you mention just the name of God for anything and in any other thing, you'll be stoned to death. That's how so serious the name of God was. You can't even write it. You can't even, it was actually only inscribed on the tabernacle, written on the tabernacle with just those few letters written on the tabernacle. That's how serious this was. No one could even name their children after the name of God. You know, today, people hashtag, <laughs> you hashtag the name of God. 
and you know you kind of make fun around it and the world is just getting <laughs> to that there's there was no hashtagging it there was no mentioning it even naming other people like today we have so many people who are named after different names and attributes on God but on that day in that time in that culture and a Jewish background you are not allowed to do that because the name of God was the most holy 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 name in that time you can't even mention it so now God had that in mind and the people where they were going Canaan and the people where they are coming the land where they are coming from the the land of Egypt had all these practices of idol worship and each idol had names and different kind of stuff going on then the Lord God came and say to them and say my name is holy you shall not mention or misuse the name of God in vain you know, one thing that I'm getting from this is that God wanted them to understand that if they would respect the name of God by not mentioning the name of God in, in vain, by not misusing the name of God, you know what would have happened? That would be a respect to God. And if they respected God, if they honored God, God would have a relationship with them. And God said, if you, you move away from all these things, I am going to have a working relationship with you. There will be a blessing among you. There will be no sick people among you. There will be no burden among you. Everyone will be in peace with one another. And I am going to dwell among my people because they honor me. Because they honor me. So humility is in a point of them respecting the name of God and taking it holy and obeying what God wanted them to do. You know, it takes humility to be obedient. It takes humbleness. It takes humility to be obedient. So the name of God, and then when we're talking about the name of God also, the Bible talks about um, the character in the name of God. Apart from the name of God just being holy. The name, when we talk about the name, we're talking about the character behind the name. We're talking about the character that the name of God, the name of God carries the character of God. It carries the attributes of God. It carries what God is capable of doing and who God is. So we're looking at uh, Psalms in Psalm 20 verse 7. Psalm 20 and verse 7. Look at what the Bible says. The Bible says that some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Not we trust in the power of the Lord our God. Not we trust in the glory and in the supremacy of the Lord our God. But the Bible highlights to say we trust in the name. We trust in the what? In the name. So look at what this, this, Bible, this verse is trying to say. When we talk, you mentioned chariots, say some trust in chariots. When you talk about chariots and you talk about horses, do you know what that entails? Do you know what that's trying to bring? It's trying to bring about the protection, the army, the military efforts. You know, people are the countries in that time who were well-to-do, who, who had powerful uh, protection and army. They had chariots. They were soldiers that would go on chariots to go for war. They were so fast and they were vast. And they were soldiers who would ride on the horses. 
And those soldiers who would ride on the horses, they were the fastest to go because horses can run quite fast. And these soldiers would go with long spears. So people who did not have chariots and those who did not have horses, they were easily defeated. Because they would just walk on the feet on, on their foot. And then imagine the chariots are coming. The chariots would crash on them. And the horses would sprint quite fast. And they would stab so many people. So if you did not have, if the army did not have chariots. And if the army did not have horses. They were regarded as easily defeated. Right? They did not have so much security and protection against their enemies. Now David rises to say, even though others have chariots and they trust in those chariots. Even though others have horses and they trust in the horses. We do not have chariots. We do not have horses. But we have something bigger and more powerful than chariots and horses. We carry the name of the Lord our God. We are people of Yahweh. And Yahweh is our protection. That's how powerful the name of God is. We trust in the name of the Lord, our God. We may not have chariots. We may not have horses. But with the name of the Lord in our hearts, inscribed on our hearts, we are able to do exceedingly, abundantly, and above all that we can even imagine. You may not have everything that you may look at today as the world standard, but with you and God. The Bible t- tells me that together with God, we are a mighty army. We can do exploits. We can do wonders. And also in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10, this is what the Bible says. The name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run to it and they are safe. You know, in King James' version, the Bible says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it, and they are safe. What brings safety here? The name of the Lord. It's a strong tower. It's a fortified city. The name of the Lord. The name of the Lord is a fortified tower. Where the righteous run and they are safe. If you carry the name of the Lord and if you honor God, you honor his name. You, you carry him in your life and you are with the Lord. You are safe. You are protected. You are protected. That's why the Bible says that thousand who come to your left, ten thousand to your right. But they will not fall. God will defeat them for you because of the name of the Lord that we carry. We are so happy people and blessed people because we are called after God. That's why Christians, it means that those who belong to Christ, they carry the name of God in them. So also, why did God ask them to, not to misuse the name of God? Because there is protection in the name of God and also because of the attributes that the name of God carries. He talks about the attributes and also talks about his personality. Like I said, the name carries the character behind it. So the name of God carries the personality of God. And the name of God also carries the attributes of God. And there are about uh, seven attributes and there are so many other more to the name of God. And the first attribute we call, how do we call it? It's, it's called El. El. I like it to be written in Hebrew, E-L. And then we have, the first one we have is Elohim. Elohim. Elohim means that God the creator. God who existed and make, and he made existence to everything that he existed. Is God, is our Elohim. 
And others would say Jehovah Elohim. And then we find it in Genesis 1.1. God said, let us create and let us create and let us create. And whatever God said existed, was created, is Elohim. We also look at another attribute is El Shaddai. He's talking about what God can do. Elohim says that God can make existence of what does not exist. God is capable of creating what, does not, what is not there. Is Elohim. We also have another tribute to the name of God. It says El Shaddai. You know what that means? El Shaddai says God Almighty. No matter the battle in your life, Jehovah El Shaddai is able to fight for you. He's the most powerful God. Is God Almighty. You know, in Psalm 91, he's talking about how God is so mighty. How God is so powerful to overcome all the wicked ones and the enemies that may come against us. Is Jehovah El Shaddai. We also have another attribute. The third one is El Elyon. El Elyon. It talks about God the Most High. He's the Most High. There may be other gods around, but I want to tell you that we serve El Elyon. He's the Most High God. He's the Most High God. There's no comparison with him. There's nothing that we can, comp- that we can compare to him. He's El Elyon. Is the most high God. Another tribute to his name, to the Yahweh, to his name is that is El Olam. Jehovah is El Olam. El Olam talks about um, the everlasting one. He was there before time. He is there today. He will be there tomorrow and forever and ever. He will be there as an everlasting God. Is El Olam. God that is not limited by time or circumstances. He never dies. He was not born. He will not die. He does not get old. Imagine time does not control him. He existed before time and he made existence to time. It's before, because of him, everything, including time, was created by him. He is an everlasting God. Wouldn't you love to save a God like Elohim? The God that is everlasting. And you know what? It's not, this attribute will also be given to us. He says that those who are born of the spirit, they will live everlasting. They will have eternal life. And in, in John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish. But what? But what? Have an everlasting life, an attribute of El Olam, the everlasting God, will be given to everyone that believes in the name of the Lord. Believes in the name of the Lord. Those who believe in him, they will live everlasting. They will live forever and ever. That's why Jesus will come. He's returning soon to come and take us to him so that we will live forever and ever. This body may die today, but your spirit lives on. Hallelujah. And another attribute to the name of God is called El Hoi. El Hoi. El Hoi talks about uh, the Lord, my God. It's like, God, you are my God. He's my God. He's not just my family God. He's not just the God of my nation. He's not just the God of my ancestors. Like we say, El Hoi Abraham. El Hoi Isaac. Like God of Isaac in Hebrew, of course. God of Abraham. We say El Hoi Abraham. Eloi Isaac, Eloi Yaakov. We don't only say God of Jacob. We don't only say God of Isaac. Now we say Eloi Lunda. Because he's also the God of, he's my God. Eloi simply means my God. Jesus on the cross did not say, Eloi Abraham, why have you forsaken me? He said, my God, my God. 
Hallelujah. He said, my God. And Jesus came to introduce to us, not the Elohoi Abraham only, the God of Abraham. Jesus came to introduce to us, my and our Father. Jesus came to, to introduce to us, Elohoi. He says, make him is your personal God. He is my God. He is our Father. He is our God. My God, my Father. No longer the God of that, the God of that is your God because his name is inscribed on your heart. He has a relationship with you and he's become your God and our God. It's so wonderful to belong to God. So the name of God is so powerful. There are all these attributes. Another attribute is Eldea. Eldea. Eldea talks about God, the all-knowing one. He's the all-knowing one. We have also the common name Roy, El Roy. Meaning God, the shaper. That's what uh, David uses in Psalm 23. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. You know, he's talking about Elroy. The God, my shepherd. Even though I walk in the valley, in the shadow of the valley of death, I will fear no evil. For he is with me. The shepherd is with me. The Elroy is with me. When I walk in the valley, the Elroy is with me. When I walk in abundance time, he is with me. When I walk through tribulation and bad time, God is always with me. And he promised in, in Matthew 28 to his disciples, verse 18 uh, to verse 20, he said that I will be with you always. For I am an everlasting God, and I'm always there for you. I'll always be with you. So the name of God is not to be misused. When you embrace the name of God, when you humble yourself before the name of the Lord and embrace his name, God will bless you. God will be with you. God will protect you, and your life will be with him. You, you, you never lack anything because he's the shepherd. You will not be overcome because he's, he's the mighty God. You will not be taken by surprise because he's all-knowing. So he said, do not misuse the name of the Lord your God in vain. Do not misuse it. I mean, do not misuse the name of the Lord your God. But how do we, just imagining, how do we misuse the name of the Lord today? How do we carry it? I've, I've, we've brought about three points or three things. And the first one is that most of the time we carry the name of the Lord in vain. Uh, in prayer, <laughs> just thinking about prayer, how we misuse the name of the Lord in prayer. And I'm getting you to think, how do I? I just pray to God. All right. Um, do you remember in the Bible, um, Jesus um, brought, uh, he mentioned about the two people that went to the house of God to pray. And we had, the first one was a tax collector, <laughs> and the other one was a Pharisee. A tax collector, let's start with the Pharisee. This guy is so dramatic in his prayer. He says that, God, I thank you for I am not like all men. I'm not even like that tax collector there. I am a righteous man. I'm so outstanding. I'm not an adulteress. I'm not a what? And I'm not a what? I fast three times, three times, I must say three times a day. I pray three times a day. I fast. I do all that. I give my tithe. I am righteous because of I. Have you not noticed in that prayer there is I? I am not like him. I am righteous. I am not like him. I do not do this. I do not do this. I do not do this. He was so puffed up in his, in his prayer. 
He was so puffed up in his prayer. And the other guy, do you know what the Bible says? Jesus says that the other, the tax collector, he just knelt down. The Bible actually says that he could not even look up to God in heaven. He looked down with his hand beating on his chest. God, I am not worthy. Forgive me. I am a sinner. I don't even deserve to be in, 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 to pray or to be in your presence. He was so humble in the way that he prayed, right? And Jesus looked at the humility. Look at how then should that be? I, I want to take you to something that I'm, uh, uh, like this we find it in, is it in Luke chapter 18 verse 10. Where Jesus is narrating about these two people that prayed. And Jesus ends by saying, I tell you the truth that the prayer of a tax collector will be answered. Not that of the Pharisee. Because the tax collector humbles himself before the Lord and recognizes that God is above and is holy. And he recognizes that or realizes that it's not about his righteousness. That's what you find in chapter 18 verse 10 of Luke. That's not about his righteousness, but it's the righteousness of the Lord. Then, how then do we pray? If there is a misuse in prayer mostly, look at, remember how we pray sometimes. It's like I, I was helping somebody, a person who was praying and said, God, if you do not do this by this time, if you do not answer my prayer, I am going, you are going to lose me. And this person said it in Bemba. He said that, <laughs> He said that, Lord, if you do not answer my prayer, I am going to go away from your presence. I'm no longer going to be a Christian. And I was in that prayer meeting and I was listening. So at the end of the prayer, I invited this person and said, no, you can't bend God's hand. We just have to be humble before the Lord. Before we pray, actually, he hears what, he knows what we're about to pray. So there's a lot of misuse. And James says in chapter 4, James says that we do, we do not receive when we pray because we do not know. How to pray. When we are praying, we babble. We talk about so many things. We want to receive because of our ambitious, our ambitions and so that we can boast before people. We are so much centered on what we want God to do for us than what God's will is for our lives. So then how do we pray? Of course, there are so many patterns of prayer in the Bible. We find them in Psalms and in so many other places. But I, I want to bring to you about Acts. S-E-T-S. S-E-T-S. Acts. Like the book of Acts. As a pattern of what is supposed to be in the prayer. Acts talks about acknowledgement, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Okay? In our prayer, how the Lord wants us to pray is to acknowledge him in our prayer. We're supposed to renounce everything that is not of God in our lives or in our families. The Lord wants us also to be thankful for what he has done. There's always something to thank the Lord for. There's, then we can come to him with supplication. It's not like this is supposed to be done first and this and that. But in our prayer, if we look shortly, we are going to look at what Jesus instituted as a pattern for prayer. We are going to find these things. They are there. Acknowledgement, confession, thanksgiving, and application. Shall we turn to the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6 verse 9 and look at these patterns of how we are then to pray. The disciples came to Jesus and say, teach us to pray. Did they know how to pray? Yes, they did. They were praying, right? They knew how to, to say prayer. But they realized that we have not been praying the right way. 
We may have been misusing the name of the Lord in prayer. Then they came to Jesus and said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Then this is what Jesus gave them as a pattern. Not that they should repeat this prayer. Or this is how they should be praying every time. But he gave it to them as a pattern of prayer. Then Jesus said, this is then how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, can we say it together? Do we, let us read all together. Our Father, uh-huh, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil one. Can you note some of the points that is in there? It starts with the Lord, with God. He says, this is our Father in heaven. You are acknowledging him in your prayer. You are our Father in heaven. My Father in heaven. Glorified be your name. And then you're talking about the will of God. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. So if you follow this pattern of the Lord's prayer, there is acknowledgement of the name of the Lord, of God in that prayer. There is also, I says, forgive our debts. Forgive our, our debts as we forgive. Forgive our, our sins as we forgive those who sin against us, other versions would say. Forgive our debts as we. So there is confession. And then there is thanksgiving. He's talking about glorifying, lifting the name of God. He says, for thine, other versions they add to say, for thine is the kingdom, for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. And then there's supplication. The supplication in the Lord's prayer is that, give us this day our daily bread. It's a supplication to the Lord. You are petitioning, you are asking from the Lord. There isn't so much in that in the Lord's prayer just about me, I, and myself. But there is honoring the name of the Lord, acknowledging him, and allowing his will to come and have an effect in our lives. And therefore then we, we repent or we confess or renounce of our sins. We renounce of our faults and ask him to come and forgive us, for he is the only one. The Bible says that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and is righteous to forgive us and wash us from our unrighteousness. But there are so many ways on how we pray, that's why. Uh, in John chapter 16, verse 24, actually, the Bible says that up to now, this is Jesus saying to, to his disciples and to the multitude, up to now, you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask, you will receive, and your joy will be complete. That's in John chapter 16 and verse 24. Up to now, you've not asked anything in my name. How is that possible? <laughs> Jesus is showing us how to pray effective prayers. And it's not about us. It's just not about That's why James says that in chapter 4, verse 3, you do, not, you do not receive when you ask because you do not know how to ask. You do not know how to pray. You ask or you pray with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. But when you are praying, this is how you should pray. Our Father. All right? Acknowledge him, thank him, renounce everything that does not glorify his name and lift his name on higher. Then let your petitions or requests be made known to the Lord, our God. 
So in prayer, most of the time, if we do not pray with the word of God in our hearts, if we just pray empty words and just keep on repeating empty words, we are not going to honor the name of the Lord in prayer. At the end of the day, we are going to be like that man who said that, Lord, if you do not answer me now, most of the time we command, now, God, answer now, now. No, God cannot be compelled. We cannot bend him towards our will. He does it in his own time because he loves us. He will surely come to you and answer your prayers. The second way in which we misuse or carry the name of the Lord in vain is in our proclamation. It's in our proclamation. You know, I'm looking at through swearing. When we mean by proclamation, I was in the way we swear most of the time. And the way we exclaim the exclamations. And also, I'm thinking about um, the expressions that we carry. In different places, there are so many. You know, the Bible has forbidden us to swear. It actually says that let your yes be yes and let your no be no. In Matthew chapter 5 verse 34, it says, the Bible says that I tell you, do not swear on an oath at all. Either by heaven, for it is God's throne. Not by earth, for it is God's footstool. Or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even your hair white or black. That's where they pause, right? You cannot swear. You do not have to swear on anything. Now, what do we do? <laughs> I, um, I am just thinking of uh, in my in my culture, the swearing that is in there and the exclamation and just, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, you should hear those. There's just a lot uh, of in in the Bemba, when someone stumbles, when someone is walking in my language in Bemba, when someone is walking and then they stumble against a rock or a stone, what do they say? They say it. They were like, oh my nose, or, oh my head. They they bring all these things. And then others, they bring in the name of the Lord in vain. I may not want to feel guilty by mentioning that. Others, they actually curse and insult. Tichumona. <laughs> others will say, Chimutue, like the head. Someone said, not theirs, actually. Others will mention their mother or their father in, in that statement. Aha. Uh -huh. Do you identify with that? <laughs> all right. So all those things, I'm like, what is the comparison? And others, when they are surprised, people of all this kind of, they swear on Jesus. You know? Do you remember those days? It's against uh, the will of God. You swear, I swear on God. Someone would say, I swear on God. Why would you swear on God? I did not do that. I swear on God. That's taking the name of God in vain. I actually, I also, I feel like, I'm cutting on breath, like just hearing someone with just this in mind, how God and what God is capable of doing, and someone is guilty and just swearing on God. Maybe even the vain discussion that does not even pertain to his greatness and holiness, and someone just swearing on God. It just makes you like, do you know actually that if, if it was not for the grace of Jesus on us, God would have split open the ground where you are and just swallow and bury you like he did to those folks in Exodus. <laughs> the name of God is holy. It's not just to instill fear on you. But we have to carry the name of the Lord our God with honor. 
Others, they just swear on their mothers. Others swear on their grandfather's grave. Like in my, in, in a Zambian culture, they swear. I swear. Even on the grave of my father, I swear. Others would swear on their uncle's grave. And so many other things. The Bible says in Matthew, do not swear on anything. Don't even swear on heaven, for it is the throne of God. Not even on the earth, it's the footstool of God. Not even on Jerusalem, like the Jewish on those days, they would try to swear on Jerusalem. So it's the city, or the holy city of the great king. So the Bible is trying to comment on us not to swear on anything. But what that Jesus says, let your yes be yes, and let your no be no. All right? Do not swear. Do not even bring God's judgment on, on, on anybody or anyone. What do we say? God what? <laughs> I don't want to, to, to spell that name. Maybe Lena can. <laughs> it feels so bad. It feels so bad. Oh God, I can say it. Yeah? It feels nice, but it, it's not the right one. You say, God damn it. It's like God condemn it. God bring judgment and fire upon it. On what? On a cut? On a story? On, a, on people? Like just mentioning the name of God in vain discussion is very unbiblical. We cannot even go two ways about it. God says, do not misuse the name. Do not call the name of the Lord your God in vain. In, in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 12, the Bible says, Do not swear falsely by my name, and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Do not swear. That's what the Bible said. Do not swear falsely by my name. That's God saying that I refuse with my name to be used in profane or in vain. Do not swear falsely by the name of, uh, uh, the name, by my name. And so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. You know, I am the Lord. He's talking about I am Elohim.